Uh, church, we're in, a, we're in a series right now on the book of Acts in the New Testament. And Acts is just simple for, uh, it's the acts of those first followers of Jesus, the actions of those very first followers. And uh, I, I want to I kind of own something this morning is we're, we're going to jump into it like in Acts chapter 5 in a moment. And uh, some of you have been paying attention to this is like, weren't we in like Acts chapter like 20 something last week? And now we're, now we're going back in time. Acts is this wonderful like chronological book in order. Wouldn't it make more sense to like do the, the chapters in the Bible and the story in the order that it was meant to be written? And to that I would say, yeah, absolutely. It totally would. <laughs> that would make perfect sense in the world. Uh, we chose to do things differently because God interrupted <laughs> earlier in the week. Uh, so the series was supposed to end last week uh, with uh, Acts chapter 21, and then we're going like, to move on to something else. And in the worship planning time, we just really heard from the Lord saying, you know, we're, we're not done with this thing yet. Like, go back in the book of Acts and... Uh, and, and hit a few of these stories that, like, we as a community really need to hear. And so that's what we're doing. So we're kind of reversing, going back in time to Acts chapter 5, and I'll set the context for the story here in, uh, in, in just a moment. Before we do, as we enter into this story, man, is it a hard one. Like, what we're just about to read this morning is just a super difficult word. And I kind of, I want it, I want you to be prepared for that, right? Uh, let's remember when we're reading the story of God, it's a good story. It's a beautiful story. And there are some remarkably difficult chapters to that story. And some of you can look back in your life and, uh, and you need to hear, he's telling a beautiful story. There might be some really difficult chapters to that story. What we have in front of us today is one of those difficult chapters. And so we're going to do things a little bit differently. I just want to like put my cards on the table and I just, I just want to, I want to tell you where this thing is going so you're prepared and you have a little hope along the way. Because I don't want you to tune out halfway through and say that was one of the most depressing messages I think I've ever heard and not hear the ending. So here's, here's the ending. The whole thing, all of it right now. Sin is bad, you guys. But grace is amazing. Sin is bad, but grace is amazing. We're going to go down into this valley. We're going to hear just like how, how bad sin is to hear how amazing grace is on the other side. Um, I heard this quote earlier on in the week that uh, a quote about sin. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And, that, and that's really... That's really what, what's before us this morning. All right, a uh, little bit lighthearted as we move into this time together. Um, I had the opportunity uh, a few years ago to, to be the, the plus one on a pretty awesome trip. My super smart and beautiful and adoring wife is, uh, is here, and she is invited every once in a while to speak at these conferences. Some of them are local, some of them are a long ways away, and, uh, and sometimes I get to be the plus one, and that's awesome. I'm happy to be that guy. I'm like the trip planner of the group, right? She does the heavy lifting, and I just kind of show up in the airport with my backpack and like, where are we going today? You know? Uh, this trip took us over to the UK. We're in London, which was absolutely breathtaking, just an amazing trip. Uh, but because of who I am, I have this severe reluctance to spend a dollar almost ever, which is really difficult to do when you're on an international trip. And so I'm like, we're going to beat this system. And instead of like signing up for one of those like guided tours that costs an arm and a leg, I'm like, I got this. I can do this, right? 
London has a couple of different uh, forms of transportation. Uh, number one, they have the underground, it's the tube. And I'm like, how am I going to see England from a tube underground? Like, no way I'm doing that. Absolutely not. They also have double-decker buses. You've seen the pictures. And I'm like, that's my jam right there. I'm not going to do a guided tour. Here's my plan. I'm going to show up at the double-decker bus. I'm going to go to the store ahead of time, get sandwiches, get crackers, get cheese, get everything that I need, look up a few waypoints along the way. I'm going to be the tour guide. So we sit at the top of the double-decker bus, looking over the window, and we're driving, having somebody else drive us through the streets of London on this guided tour. And I'm like, oh, and that's this, and then that's this, little history. And I'm just on Wikipedia just saying everything. Honestly, it's probably more reliable than the guided tours anyway. Anybody in the world can edit it, so you know it's got to be true. And we're, and we're winding our way through these streets, and, uh, and I'm kind of running out of waypoints. I'm running out of things to talk about, but it's fine. Stop after stop. You know, anybody getting off? Most people at this point are getting off. We're like, no way. We're riding this thing all the way, right? Two bucks a person. You can't beat it. Follow me for more uh, trip advice. I got you, fam. And then it starts to get a little rural, you know? Like, like we are not in the city anymore. It's like countryside, and we're still heading like away from the city. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Because we'll get to the end of the line and then we'll turn around, we'll come on right back. This will be perfect. Bring us to our hotel. You kind of know where this thing is going. I learned two things that day. Uh, First thing I learned is the end of a bus ride is called the terminus. Fun word to keep track of. The terminus. Second thing I learned that day is sometimes the buses sleep there overnight. at the the terminus. So we are like way out of Dodge, you guys. We are way out of town and it is very rural and we get there and I'm like, okay, just stay in the bus, hon. We're going to be fine. He's going to drive us back. It was a million stops to get out here, but he's going to bring us a million stops on the way home. We got it. It's getting a little bit late and he's like, everybody off the bus, which is two people on the bus, by the way, just us two. And he's like, get off the bus. You know, this is the end of the line. This is the, the terminus. And I didn't save any money on that trip. (laughs) Like, we're trying to bribe people to get us back into the city. We're like, how far does Uber go in London? Like, what's the UK equivalent to all of this thing? Like, I don't know. It It was a difficult and expensive road to get us back. And I'm looking at that trip. And I'm just kind of like using that as the image this morning. Stop after stop, we had the option to get off the ride. You know, stop after stop, there was a... There was a driver encouraging us to get off the ride. And stop after stop, we decided to stay on. And it is cool. I tell this joke so that you can have a little amusement at my expense. I'm good with that. Because that is, that is how cheap I am. And I just want to own that. You get to know me for a little while and you're like, that sounds like Dirk. Yeah. I'm sorry to his wife, Kristen. You know, that's... And we can laugh a little bit about my expense, but, but here's what I know. I know that you're on a ride too. I know that you're on a journey too. And I know that there is a ride that you might be on that has a terminus. It's going to a place that you do not want to end up in. And there is stop after stop after stop, and people in your life who love you and care about you and want to see you thrive are going to encourage you to exit the ride. You don't have to find out what's at the end of this line. 
And stop after stop after stop, you have chosen to stay on it. I think sometimes it's like that recurring argument that you have with your spouse. You know, like, it's about dishes, it's about clothes getting put away, it's about childcare duties. I mean, the, the names and places can change, but the, the argument is the same. And it's just like, it's not flat, it's like a death spiral. And it just, it's going down and down. And every time you have like the same argument, it just gets a little worse each time. And because you love each other, and because you spend so much time together, you know just that one thing to say or not say that just digs it so much deeper and causes maximum pain along the way. And you try not to say it, and then it like slips out and you just found like a new level, a new stop on this ride. And it's like, I want to end this. I want to stop this ride. I don't want to find out what's at the terminus of this particular ride that I'm on. I know there are ways I can get a counselor. I can reach out for help, but I just can't help stop after stop to keep on going down the line. So question for this morning is just like, what self-destructive ride are you on? And when's it going to be time to exit the ride? You know it happens when you're flipping through, when you're flipping through Instagram, you're flipping through Facebook, probably through TikTok. I'm, I'm too old to figure out like how that world works, so I'm just giving up on it. But, but you're flipping through it, and like there's, there's an image and, and it, it just like, you know you shouldn't linger, but like you hesitate just for a moment, right? Like I shouldn't stare, I shouldn't gaze, but I hesitate just for a moment. And then like the lizard brain shuts off and like the good part of your brain turns on and you're like, I'm going to keep moving, okay? I shouldn't hang out there. But you know what happened? We all know what happened. Like in that moment, in that moment, like that hesitation went to a data farm somewhere, probably in Silicon Valley, and somebody just identified they hesitated <laughs> send them another one. And we know how it works, don't we? And it's like, send them another one, okay? And then there's another hesitation, maybe for this much longer that time. Send them another, send them another, send them another. And then this turns into your feed. And like the feed is now feeding your brain and it's feeding your soul, right? And you know you should, you know you should get off this ride, but it's like got a hold of you. And some of you, some of you, even while I'm saying this, you're like, I think he's talking about pornography. He's not, I'm talking about shopping, I'm talking about Amazon. I'm talking about Target. Whatever like your choice is. Like it could be anything. And it's like, I didn't think I needed a thousand dollar espresso machine, but like church and counter church quality coffee right in my living room. You know, this, what could be better? And it's like, I'll just hit order. And then when the box comes, I'll make sure to hide that before my husband sees it, before my wife sees it. And it's like, you can hide the box, but you can't hide the bill. Like it's coming. And it's like, I need to exit this ride. Like the financial calamity, there's a terminus that this thing is moving toward. And I don't want to find out what it is. I was having a conversation um, earlier, uh, earlier last week with our, with our groups coordinator, Robin Bob, and she's fantastic. And I'm talking to her about like what's happening in some of her groups and what's happening with like, you know, different people and trying to, like, trying, to, trying to stay relevant. And she's like, the thing right now is like online gambling, right? Sports betting. And she's like, it starts off and it's kind of fun. Like, here's 300 bucks, you know, get yourself going on the thing. It's free. And, and we tell ourselves, you know, it's not like gambling because I watch sports all the time. Like, I, I know sports. 
I'm into sports. It's not gambling. It's like a sure thing. And it's like, bro, you are like the junkie that walks into a casino and you're like, I got a system though. And I'm like, your system paid for those musical fountains out front, right? The house always wins. And, and you could be like on this spiral downward and you're like, one more bet. You know, just a big one just to get even and then I'm done. And it's like, this thing has a terminus. Are you going to be around to find out just exactly what it is and what it feels like when you hit it? The story in front of us this morning, I'm going to call a cautionary tale of somebody who found out what's at the end of the line. And this is part one. This is sin is bad. I called this message, don't be like that guy. That's my message, don't be like that guy. Let's go to the story. Let's learn a little bit more about what God has in store for us. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. It's going to be on the, on the screen, but you're encouraged to follow along in your Bible app as well. Um, and what we see here is uh, Acts chapter 1, sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. And we see a man named Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira. Uh, so both of those names, whoops, oh, uh, been a while. Ananias and Sapphira. Um, the name Ananias means God has given Sapphira is like the sapphire, the precious gem. It means like something like beautiful. And, and I think what the Spirit is trying to tell us is like this is a couple who has it all. Like they've got life together. Like they're, they're the shiny couple, you know? Like walking into church, everything is just good. And you just see them and they're smiling. And you know at home it's got to be the same way. Everything is just so easy and so light. God has given Ananias a beautiful wife, Sapphira. And we just imagine that they together have a beautiful life. So Ananias and Sapphira also sold a piece of property. Also sold a piece of property. Some context on the story that we're just about to to dig into here. In the previous chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4, we see this wild phenomenon take place. Uh, we see Peter stand up. He gives a sermon. 3,000 people were added to the number that day. This is Jerusalem. It's one city. And in Acts chapter 4, another 2,000 people are added to that number. 5,000 people, if my math is right on this. I mean, this thing is like turning neighborhoods upside down. It's, it's wild what's happening here. People are getting swept up, kind of caught up in this movement. I think Ananias and Sapphira might be getting swept up, caught up, in this movement, immediately preceding this story, we hear a wild thing that's happening. Some people are selling their possessions and bring it and just giving it all away, like all of their money, giving it over to the apostles. There you go. Distribute as you wish. Make sure nobody has a need that goes unmet. A guy by the name of Joseph, not that Joseph, a different Joseph, sells off uh, his property, everything, everything. And in the context of the day, not that many people had property, so the ones that had it, sold it, that's a fair bit of coin, takes all of that money and lays it at the apostles' feet. It's yours. Make sure nobody goes with an unmet need. They rename him Barnabas, a name that means son of encouragement, because that's the kind of guy that when he's with you, it is like encouragement embodied in a person. You want to be around him that badly. So just, they just start calling Joseph. They call him Barnabas for the rest of the story. Ananias wants to be a Barnabas. 
Sapphira's caught up in this thing as well. So Ananias and Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Part to highlight, his wife's full knowledge kept back part of the money for himself and brought it and put it, uh, and put it at the feet of the apostles. The thing that I find in this story that is just so absolutely relatable is like Ananias and Sapphira. They, they really, they want to be generous. But they also really want to be rich, Right? Like, like, like they, want, they want to be adored and loved in the community. They want to be celebrated in the community. But, but, they, but they also like want to keep their stuff. And these things are, like, are, like, are, coming, are coming to a head. In Ananias and Sapphira, um, you can see their divided heart taking place. And I just want us to point out, if you see their divided heart, you see your own as well. I, I see my own right there as well. They wanted the affirmation of the others while secretly, while secretly uh, betraying the values that they're pretending to uphold. As you begin to like write yourself into the story, just keep something in mind. Um, this is a financial thing selling and, and giving to those who had need. And I recognized just a little bit earlier we made this like hard pitch for doing good month. And it's like, I think I know why he backed up to Acts chapter five. And I just, <laughs> I want to like put a pin in that, like, like pop that because that's, theirs is a, it's a financial illustration, but that's not like the heart of the story, right? Like the pitch isn't here like, hey, you know, don't, don't be like Ananias and hold back part. Let's go really in on this like doing good month. That, that's not the pitch. There's this uh, financial symptom of something much deeper going on. Um, the, the message for you that I think God might have for you this morning if you're receptive to it is you're on a ride of self-destruction caused by sin. What is it? And it could be a financial thing. It could be a, a heart posture thing. It could be anything. It would just, it would serve you well to identify what particular ride that you're on. Um, let's continue on with this story. Um, Peter shows up to Ananias and, uh, and he said, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? And I, I want to like, I want to drop in on, uh, on this part of, the, part of the story and like, you can kind of see where this is going, Right? He lays it at the apostles' feet, which is like the universal sign for, I'm doing the, I'm doing the Joseph thing, and he got a new name. You know, what's my name going to be? Am I going to be a Barnabas here too? I'm, I'm going all in on this thing. So he's pretending, and he's, he's lying about this whole thing. And as he, as he goes in on this, and doubles down on this lie, 
There's several points when he could have gotten off. He could have like pulled the little, the, the red little cord and said, I'd like to exit the vehicle now. He didn't have to list the field. He didn't have to sell the property. He didn't have to bring his wife in on it with him, with her full knowledge. He didn't have to take all of the money. He didn't have to take some of the money. He didn't have to lay it at the apostles' feet and pretend like he's doing the Joseph Barnabas thing. He didn't have to do anything. Like nowhere in scripture does it tell you that following Jesus necessarily means you have to part ways with everything you own and lay it at the apostles' feet. Sometimes the Holy Spirit of God convicts some of us to take these extraordinary measures and you've heard stories and I'm not even saying you might be exempt to some, a story like that. He might be telling some of you that but it's not the like prescribed thing to do. Just because it happens in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean that's what you have to do point in case Ananias and Sapphira didn't have to give everything over. They didn't have to give anything over. The problem is that they lied about it. And at every opportunity, Ananias doesn't pull down on the red string and say, I'd like to get off from this ride now. And he goes in front of Peter, who's, who knows. I don't know how he knows. Maybe he just heard through the grapevine. Maybe the Spirit of God told him. But Peter's going, dude, how is it that Satan has totally filled your heart? And, and part of me, I'm like, Really? Satan? Like you're bringing Satan in on this thing? <laughs> that feels a little extreme, doesn't it? This is so beautiful. It's one story with several authors, but one story. And also one author behind it all. <laughs> Peter knows what it's like to be on the other end of somebody saying, how has Satan so filled your heart? Was it, uh, Matthew tells the story, chapter 16. And Jesus is saying, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to die. Stay dead for three days. I'm going to come back. And Peter says, no. Over my dead body will you have a dead body. You remember what Jesus does? He looks right at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. Peter's going, I know what it's like to be in your shoes, Ananias. And it's not too late to pull the red string and to exit the vehicle. Now, those two stories have a different ending, don't they? We're, we're going to read, and some of you are like, I kind of know where this thing is going. Dirk told us this is a dark story. We know where it's going with Ananias. What's the difference between Peter and Ananias? Let's resist the temptation of saying, oh, yeah, Peter was a good guy, Ananias was a bad guy. Uh, Peter was a perfect guy, Ananias was a sinful guy through and through. No, no, no. That's not our story. That's, that's not the gospel. We have a story of two bad guys and one accepted forgiveness. We have a forgiven guy and a bad guy. That's what we have in front of us. And Peter, you know, Peter is like pleading with the dude, turn around. It was, it was pointed out to me like this. The irony of the gospel is that whatever it is that you confess, you will be freed from. But whatever you wrap your hand around and hold tight, you will be held responsible for. If you're on a ride and you're like, I am holding on to this thing and riding it to the end, it's possible that he's going to find, he's going to let you find out what's at the end. And Peter was going, the difference here 
is that I heeded this wisdom and I took one small but giant step to start coming home. But that's not Ananias' story. Peter says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And we have the first appearance of great fear that seized all who heard what had happened. And then, this is awesome, and then some, some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and, and buried him. Uh, scholars believe these young men, uh, very early appearance of the very first church interns. They come in. <laughs> they got to do the dirty work. They, they, they take up his body. It needed a lighthearted moment, but it's a, it's a dark chapter. Don't, don't miss the point here. Uh, and about three hours later, about three hours later now, his wife comes in, not knowing what had happened. And, and Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? And you can see it. It's like this movie version. Um, we're coming off from October. And so like some of you have seen a scary movie recently and there's a key change in the music and like the lighting tones get darker and darker as she opens up the door to the basement when she hears a noise and she's like, I think I should go check it out. And everybody watching this movie is like, don't go down there, you know? Like, what are you doing? Don't go, just run, just get out of there. Is this the price that you got for the sale of the property? Yes, she says, that's the price that I got for the property. That's the price that I got. Can I just say, like, some of us are, are on that bus line and we're like heading down to the, to the terminus. We're heading down to that wall and, and we, we have a suspicion that it's going to hurt when we finally get there. And a lot of us, like, we hold this reservation of saying, I'm, I'm going to confess like, I'm, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to exit the vehicle. I'm going to own up for the journey that I put myself so far. So a lot of us are, are like holding that in my mind. The, the problem is, a lot of us, we haven't confessed yet because we haven't been caught yet. And so there's a, there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between being sorry that you got caught and broken over what you've done. And that's another, like, the, the difference that we see in Ananias and Sapphira and, and Peter. We see Peter later on, and he's weeping. He's broken. Not that he got caught. He's broken over what he's done and how he's contributed to the, to the furthering of the brokenness in the world. But Peter said to you, how could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of those interns who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then those young men came in and finding her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear. It's the second appearance of that word. So we start to get a sense that it's probably important. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. <laughs> and it's like, that makes sense, right? The church is growing from just a handful to 3,000 and then 5,000. 
And it's like, okay, that's how it's supposed to go. Uh, Jesus said before he left, make disciples, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's like a church growth kind of movement. We're supposed to get to the ends of the earth in only a short little while, a couple chapters, we went from a handful to 5,000. It's like, I can see where this is going. And then the whole thing comes to a screeching halt. And two people just died. And what does that do to the movement? Imagine like the marketing piece that gets put out. Like, hey, come to church. You might die. (laughs) Like, it's a bit of a deterrent. You know, what's happening? I think it's like this check along the way. And I'm like, I don't don't want like great fear to be the experience of coming into church. But like sometimes there is this element where I think it's it's not just helpful, but but like it's, it's actually grace. And we don't think about great fear as being a, a great grace. We think of grace oftentimes as like the forgiveness of sins. Grace to cover the past wrongdoings. We don't often think about grace as being something that prevents future brokenness, prevents future hurt. I had a friend who said, man, you can choose to jump. You can't choose what or who gets broken when you hit the ground. You might land on somebody, the shrapnel that flies, it could hurt you, sure. It could hurt your wife, it could hurt your kids, it could hurt your friends, your coworkers, your your church people. I mean, it just, it radiates and ripples out. You can choose to jump, you can't choose what hurts or broken when you hit the ground. The fear that gripped these people is a little bit like the fear that got instilled into my kid's heart I got, I got two kids, the younger one, when he was real little, we found out he's super into like plugs, electronics, anything that lights up, he's there. And, and, I, and I see him, I think he was, he was under, he's around one. He could walk, he's also kind of like crawling. And I can see him, he gets, he gets like, a, like a paper clip. He gets uh, anything metal, anything sharp. He gets a knife, he gets a fork in his hands, a butter knife, I'm a decent parent, okay? He gets this, he gets this fork in his hand and he makes eye contact with the power outlet. And it kind of looks like a smiley face, you know, if you like look at it the right way, it's got like the little, you know, like that emoji. And he starts moving towards it. And he's a lot closer, but I'm a lot faster. So what do I do? I'm like, he's going like this to the little shocking emoji, okay? He, you get it. He's moving on. And I run over there and I like smack that thing out of his hand because I'm a decent parent. I know what's going to happen if he makes contact with that power outlet. I smack it out of his hand. And he's like, Dad, what's the deal, you know? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, don't. And I put like the fear of God in him at that moment, right? Because I wanted to know that if he was two inches closer, he'd meet God, right? And a great fear seized his heart in that moment and saved his life. If you're on this ride, I hope that this message gives you just this much of that great fear. Because you don't know whose life it's going to save. It's a true story of a, a friend of mine from years back. As he found himself on a ride that started with three letters and one word. Hey, slipped into his, his DMs direct messages it was an innocent word with a not so innocent profile picture attached to it 
And looking back, he's like, I know what I should have done. I should have pulled the rope. I should have exited the ride early. But I replied. And then she replied. And then I replied. And one word over years turned into thousands. It turned into pictures. It turned into rekindling a relationship that hasn't been active since high school. He's married. He's got three kids. It turned into money being sent. It turned into the wife finding out, the kids finding out, really everybody finding out because it's difficult to hide that over the long term. And now it turns into talking to me about what a visitation right might look like going forward. And he goes, Dirk, you know the... uh, you know the story that Jesus told, like if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, if your hand causes you to sin, like cut it off? You know, it's better to go to heaven with one hand than hell into your whole body. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty, you know, hyperbole exaggeration. The disciples were teenagers and both of them, you know, they all had both eyes. So there's that. And he goes, that's the thing. I don't think it is. I would give anything to have my life put back together. I would happily give my hand, give my eye to have my family back together. Exit the ride early. It's grace. A lot of us think that when we get off this ride, there's going to be judgment, there's going to be condemnation, There's going to be shame meeting us at the stop, and so we stay on it. Church, in my experience, it is just the opposite. You are met with Jesus, people who have their arms wide open. You are met with Jesus himself, who says, I've been waiting for you. I went all the way down this road, Jesus. Jesus went, rode the bus to the terminus, into the grave. I went all the way down this road so that whatever stop you decided to pull the latch and get off the ride on, I would meet you there. And together we are going to take this one giant step back home. Sin is so bad. But grace is amazing. I want to end our time together. If you want to talk about this stuff with the prayer table in the back with me, it's time to start this conversation tell someone today I want you to stand up let's pray together Jesus sin is bad we know that Jesus we knew that before we even stepped foot in here we, before we heard the Ananias and Sapphira story but your grace is so amazing sometimes Lord we just need to pause in a moment and reflect in a new way on just what that sin costs us at times. How much it costs us. How long it keeps us. What it does in our hearts. God, give us courage in these next moments to have a difficult word, a difficult conversation. And may we meet you your amazing grace in those moments.